everyone. Welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is a definitive identity governance and automation solution built natively on ServiceNow. Look, we've built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a nightmare for risk, security, and governance, who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized it? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on the ServiceNow platform, which you already trust. ClearSky, a better way to IGA. Check the description below for episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? All right, Duke, today we're talking about why we do it. Like why we exist in the ServiceNow space, why we do ServiceNow consulting, why what what is it like to be a service now independent consultant like why are we here like mm-hmm. in this space doing this podcast talking to you all i'm down what are we what's right. the, what are we starting with all right duke let's start with why are you an independent consultant that's the first question i have it's mm-hmm. one i always ask myself mine's definitely changed over time right okay i think the, i first started becoming an independent consultant because i was capable and there was even more so than now just a, a huge amount of money I was getting paid something around, I was getting paid under 90,000 USD at the time. And jumping right. from that into consultant money was just kind of like fire hose time. <laughs> My Bro. wife was like, what's with all these checks? <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's changed over time. I think you do it long enough and it becomes, it comes harder to be employable. It's got it's a distinctly negative spin and negative on my part, but it just it, it's a reality. Like no. now that I'm used to it, it is hard to be employable. There's a lot of partners that I love, and but they, like you get to working for them, and it's like, okay, Robert, do things this way. It's like I don't necessarily agree with that. Nope, you got to swallow your pride and do it by their methodologies. There's just a lot more people telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and I like the freedom. Yeah. What about you, Corey? Why are you an independent consultant? Dude, like for all of those reasons, right? So I blame you for this. (laughs) (laughs) My long list of crimes. (laughs) So, so that's the start, right? Like, so we're going to, we're going to start it there, right? Like you convinced me to take this path. It's because of knowing you from way back when in the early service, the early to me service now days, seeing you at all those events and us eventually becoming buddies. And you telling me, bro, you got the skills and the market out here is like scorching hot. Let's do it. Like you telling mm. me all of that. And that is what convinced me to leave my really cushy day job and jump into like the independent consulting market. And, you know, why I stayed is for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Number one, right? Like I remember, dude, been in the mailbox and just seeing check after check. I, this is, I mean, 2015, people were still sending paper checks, right? And so I'm like getting check after check. And it's like, this is great. <laughs> this is completely different than what I'm accustomed to. And then there's, I am also now unemployable. I guess, hashtag recruiters out there who are listening to this. If you're thinking about pinging me about a permanent role, just not, don't do it. Like I'm not the guy. Right. I know you think I'm the guy. I know my resume is awesome. I know I've been through the trenches. 
I am not the guy to go into somebody's company and sit there on their team's channel like day after day after day and, you know, do their whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that, that, that normal people do in, in their jobs. Like, I'm not that guy. I'm unemployable. I don't care about your culture. Like I like your culture mm -hmm. from a perspective of me interacting with it as a consultant, right? I love when I work with good people. I have great clients now. They're amazing. I yeah. love that I work with them and I worked with them for quite a while and I hope to continue to work with them for quite a while because they're amazing people. But I couldn't be like an employee there because it just changes how I have to act and how I interact with things, right? So that's Ooh. number one, right? Unemployable. Can I, uh, <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. Can I Jump pitch in there. myself on something there? Yeah. Because one thing that I have loved about becoming an independent is basically you get to do with your own time whatever you want, right? Yeah. So I do my consulting. And if I just decide, you know what, like, I think I'm okay at this recruiting thing, which I am. I wonder if I, if I could do that for a bit. I wonder how well that will monetize. So I can put in yeah. the extra time or peel back on my hours. I could take that time, whatever I want, and just do something else. So I do recruiting. And so if you're looking to level up, give me a ring. If you're looking for really good ServiceNow resources that are getting coached by me personally, look me up. <laughs> Let's get yep. you some slots filled. And so that's one thing I love about being an independent consultant. The other thing is like the market, the digital marketing I do, helping these ServiceNow partners, product and services partners find a message and like roll that message into their sales enablement. Like it's just, I've been able to grow in so many different directions, not just, hey, do ServiceNow consulting. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because who I, knows I where it. it's going to go, right? Like we have that whole episode on ServiceNow doomsday scenarios Right. right. And what if ServiceNow went away? What am I going to do then? So it gives me an ability to like hone other really marketable skills. A ton of them, right? Like in, in any different direction that can be utilized in any new industry that you decide to go into if you mm -hmm. had to. Right. And you can't do all of that without number two, freedom. And that's the next reason why I do this. It's the freedom to do whatever the hell it is that I want to do whenever the hell I want to do it to subject to my previously agreed upon restrictions with my client. Right. right. I shouldn't say restrict restrictions, but, you know, agreed upon like times and dates of when I'm going to be here and there and deliverables and that sort of thing. As a consultant, everybody's got a deliverable. The client is expecting X, Y, and Z. Yep. And so you got to deliver X, Y, and Z. Right. But there's still a, a wide swath of time and space outside of that to do whatever it is you want to do. And sometimes that's just going to my kid's school and watching their play, oh, right? Yeah. At 10 o'clock in the, in the morning. Testify, man. Testify. Right? Yeah. Like, and yeah, let's take Friday off and go camping. Yeah, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, no, babe. Let's have, a, uh, let's have a date night in the middle of the day. <laughs> right? We're going to go get lunch. We'll catch a movie, right? And we'll make it home before the kids get home from school. Like, let's do that. Done that before. It's amazing. Right. Like you mm -hmm. can't do that, you know, or you can. Right. But it's a lot harder when you're an employee of a company. Right. Like, it it's, you know, so it, it's those sorts of things. Right. The freedom to have that work life balance that I want, the freedom like you have to, to explore a lot more work things in a way that wouldn't necessarily be enabled by working for someone else where they might want to sign off on it. Yeah. Or you might need to get sign off from them so that they don't own it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a conflict of interest, right? Like, right. When you're doing ServiceNow stuff in the ServiceNow ecosystem that's not directly related to your employer, it kind of, it could put them in a bad place. And so you can understand why they're not going to do that. Anyways, I feel we should like, because <laughs> it's not all roses, right? Like, these are the benefits we get to reap. But man, I'm always 
biting my nails about these contracts and can I go without work for like a month, two months, whatever. And, and you like, nobody's doing the fishing for you, right? There's yeah, no sales okay. rep somewhere selling services for you. You've got to be hunting and fishing while you're eating. <laughs> um, right. Just don't think that it's all pluses. It's very difficult. But yes, that's why I went independent. So that's a good point, right? You know, you eat what you kill. That has both benefits and it also has downfalls, right? Oh, you, you know what kills me, dude? <laughs> What's <laughs> that, like, man? Like you seal the deal and it's like maybe you got two ones and you're like 20 hours a week here, 20 hours a week there. And then it takes eight weeks to get up to 20. <laughs> you're doing yes. Like, you're planning <laughs> on 20, but then you're like, why the hell am I putting time entry in for two hours? Yes. Oh. I mean, I, I, dude, I've had it sometimes with clients where I'm like, look, I, I know what we said we were going to do. Like, there's like, I built six hours this month, yeah. right? Like, I'm not sending you an invoice for that. We're, we're going to carry that over to the next month, right? Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me more frustration and more executive dysfunction to send you a bill for this than it would just to be add, to add right. it to the next month's bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and then there is always that fear, right, that you won't land a deal. Mm, you know, I mean, fear. The now market fear is, is what the word is. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Fear, right? Like in that, in that fear creates anxiety. Uh -huh. You know, the market's hot, right? The service now market has been hot for the entirety that I've been in it with the exception of about six months in 2020, where nobody knew what the hell was going on yeah. anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we all going to die, right? Yeah. Right. You know, but other than that, the market has been for me hot the entire time that I've been in it. That said, there is still this fear that you don't know where your next client or your next check is coming from, yeah. right? Because you eat what you kill. Yep. You know, and so that is that is an, an anxiety there. You know, we all got mortgages, we got families. I got kids. Duke, you yep. got kids. You got a wife. We got, I got a wife. We got a family. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know this? And I mean, consultant money is good money. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like we got little bills. <laughs> I think so, it was, it's a 90s song, right? Cypress Hill. You want to be a rock star or something like that? Yeah. yeah. The guy's like, save your money, man. Like, hit records yeah. don't last forever, right? And there's yeah. like some dude who's just made seven figures and he's admonishing the audience, like, save your money. Right. <laughs> like, like, don't you spend that stuff. You put that right back in the bank account. I felt that way in 2020, right? Yeah. Like things kind of, things dried up really, really freaking quick in about yeah. April of 2020. Like I, I was lucky. I had a, a client um, that was, looking to lock in and they, they actually did. I didn't know that they would, but had they not, I probably would have gone the entire summer without work. Right. I, I did have a cushion. So I wasn't necessarily like super worried. Right. But I was worried. <laughs> didn't know what was going to happen. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's not all, it's not all roses. There are some parts of this where, you know, it does kind of create anxiety and sometimes it keeps you up at night and you don't know what's going to happen and where, where the next thing is going to come from. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade it because I'm unemployable and I love the freedom. <laughs> well, in typical CJ and the Duke style, we are a third of the way into the podcast and uh, less than a fifth of the way through the points. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so let's just take a quick second to talk about our second sponsor, Magic Mind. Magic Mind is billed as the world's first productivity drink and the Duke couldn't agree more. Magic Mind has been part of my morning ritual for a long time now, makes me feel great, helps me get into a flow state faster, and stay in the flow state longer. It's really made a difference in my work. It's full of great stuff like matcha for energy, adaptogens for relaxation, nootropics for focus, and honey for a great taste. And believe me, it makes you feel a lot better than that sounds. 
Check out the link in the description below. And don't forget to use the promo code CJD20 for a 20% discount on your first batch. All right, so we're going to so we're gonna pivot here. We're going to go to the next one. Why do we do the podcast, Duke? For me, it was like I always want to produce content that I would want to consume. And at the time when I started the YouTube channel, the podcast, all of it, I was very much a sense of ServiceNow videos are very formal and cerebral and yeah. um, like, like kind of burnt toast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going like, to I'm going to I'm going to take burnt toast and move it to the adjective part of Webster's dictionary. <laughs> there has to be a way to make it an adjective, but burnt toast is an adjective. You know, you ran out of butter, and it's just like the only thing you got in the house for breakfast. It's just like I'm going to eat this and just like crunch, 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 crunch. So I, I wanted, at least for me, right? I'm only half the yeah. show. But I no, wanted absolutely. to do ServiceNow content that would be valuable, that would be applicable, that wasn't eating burnt toast to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. What about you? So I, I still remember you called me up. You was like, hey, man, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to do a podcast, dude. Like, I don't have anything to say. You know, that was the first thought that I had in my, oh, what am I going to say? I don't have anything. Say, you know, I kind of spun that around in my head a few different times. But the reason that ultimately I said yes is because of our conversations. Like we go out and we grab drinks or we grab dinner or whatever and lunch and all when, you know, we had real jobs and shit. And, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you know, and, and our conversations, dude, are always like just next level. And it dawned on me that what would it be like for other people to join us at the table? And that's what I thought a podcast with me and you doing it would be like, you know, like just those conversations that we have that are always amazing and having other people at the table and what would they get out of it? Cause I know what I get out of them. Right. And I'll say, okay, all right, we can do this. Now, what about the stage fright and, and public speaking things and all that? I was like, well, I guess we'll roll with it, you know, and you, you convinced me, hey, we'll fix it in post. So I'm like, fuck it, let's mm -hmm. try it. <laughs> and I get out of it, out of the podcast, one, I get to hang out with you for like an hour or so or however long it takes to film these things. But the other thing is I get to bring other people into these great conversations that we have and kind of get this in these insights that I've been getting out of them for years. So that was the reason. So why do you do the other ServiceNow content? For you, you got a, you got a newsletter now. What made yeah. you go, take the leap on that? Because I want to do more. I felt like the podcast was great, but I also felt like I still had a bunch of other ideas that were just kind of bouncing around in my head. And I felt the urge to do, you know, a little bit more and get a little bit more out there, right? Like some things I feel like um, lean towards writing and some things lean toward speaking about, right? Like talking about mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And I felt like being able to create this newsletter and kind of write this stuff down serves two purposes, right? Like it, it hopefully somebody somewhere gets some value out of it. But the bigger point and the bigger purpose is that I get a lot out of it by writing it down. And it shows me where my weaknesses are and my strengths are. Right. So as you're trying to teach somebody and I, and I write every newsletter from the perspective of trying to teach somebody something as you're doing that and you're going through that, you find where the weaknesses are in your own knowledge and then you shore those up. And so that was kind of the, the thought is that, you know, if I want to make sure that I know the things that I think I know, then I should try to teach them to other people and see where I fail at that mm. and then go out and plug those holes.
So that's kind of why I started the newsletter. And that's kind of why I'm a bit more active on LinkedIn, a bit more active on Twitter. And it's just really, I want to democratize ServiceNow knowledge and also shore up my own shortcomings and knowledge along the ServiceNow platform and ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. How about you, Duke? You, you're everywhere, man, right? <laughs> like you got like seven YouTube uh, channels. And <laughs> I have one YouTube channel. Come on now. Um, well, I, yeah, I do a little bit of every media type. So the mailing list, hmm. it's like you said, right? There's some things that are just better in text. Yeah. It doesn't take as much production time. I could just get it out and get that content out of my soul, you know? Um, right. So that's at least why I have the media selection to use is because it's good for certain reasons. And one of those reasons is it's low production. I guess one of the selfish reasons is I go on a lot of rants about a lot of different things, right? Documentation, <laughs> like personal development, um, the, way, the way implementations go. And it's like, I can stand in the street and like yell about it. I could be that guy that just yells at people in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, or I could have a voluntary service, right? They're subscribing to it. And how can I tell more people about these things that I think are dangerous, bad practice, ways they shouldn't be? How can I, how could I change the mind of the ecosystem? Well, okay. you got to have a big audience. And so my, my mailing list is now up over 1500 and I don't do it as often as I like, but my mailing list is where I try and it's my way of trying to change the course of the ecosystem in whatever way I can. Yeah. Your, your mailing list, dude, is awesome. Like your newsletter is amazing. It has so many actionable, deep thought mm. perspectives that it really is a treasure trove. It means extra coming from you, buddy. Yeah, no doubt. I guess well, another thing too, and again, purely selfish is if you're not doing that kind of stuff, it's hard to know what you actually know. Yes. And <laughs> what it really shocked me, um, my wife and I were driving between states, hours long drive, and I'm just going to like look back through the podcast and it's like, I like, we've got hours and hours and hours of content in just the podcast. Yep. I'm getting like 4,000 hours of consumption on my YouTube channel every month and Wow, like I've literally got a body of knowledge that is memorialized. So I can do all kinds of stuff with that. I could start publishing material, like actually like writing books or or doing whatever. But I wouldn't have been able to say that until I had built that library of thoughts and insights. But now that the library of thoughts and insights exists through my many videos, my many mailing list entries, the podcasts. It's like I got five books on the go. Right, dude. I mean, to take that content that you have everywhere else, condense it and turn it into different content in a different medium. But I mean, it's there, right? And not everybody yeah. consumes media in the same way, right? Some people listen, some people watch, some people yeah. read. And you don't you want know, to put, you'd look at them and say like, oh yeah, it's like I have an answer to that somewhere in my 50 yeah. mailing list entries and 100 some YouTube channels and 50, right. 50, 65 episodes of CJ and the Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's a needle right. in a haystack, right? Seriously, right? Like, just like I made that summer, you know, it's like, no, here's the consolidated guide to X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So, why do you mentor the newbies? Do we That's really a have a one. choice? Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, just, nothing's going to stop them from asking, right? Yeah, it's true. So, for me, at least, again, it goes to like sometimes you don't know that you know something until somebody forces you to explain it. 
Right. And that's been a really tantalizing concept in my brain is how much stuff do I know or can I figure out or can I provide super valuable insights on that I have spent not one second considering up until now. And the best way to increase that is by letting anybody ask you a question. Good point. And if you got any kind of pride, right? Like if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it and you're viewed and you view yourself as like this person who should have the answer and who <laughs> is an expert, quote unquote expert, right? Like you go and find that answer so you can go back. <laughs> so it makes That's you better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then going back to why I do the mailing list too, it's like, how do I make a lever big enough so that I can shift the ecosystem my way? Right. right. Think about the MTBF and they have a 400 person cohort and I connected with at least 150 of them, right? Yeah. There's 150 more people coming into the ecosystem now that know my values for an implementation. Yeah, that's big time. Right. Yeah. You know, they've got fresh eyes and fresh eyes, fresh ears. And one of the first things they've learned is that if you don't memorialize what you've built, you're basically like giving your, you're mailing yourself a bill for a million dollars someday. Yeah, to exactly. re-architect this garbage. <laughs> They're impressionable, so impress upon them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you ask me, why why do I do it? Right, it's a lot of it comes down to MTBF, right? And MTBF has created this cohort of largely um, black newbies in the service now space, right? Oh, and to me, right, like <laughs> representation matters, right? Yeah. And you know, I look at myself as an example of representation in the ServiceNow ecosystem that has been successful and and I should absolutely give back, right? I should absolutely share that. I should absolutely mentor. I should absolutely bring them in and show them what it's like and what this market is and what this ecosystem is, is and how you can be successful here. You know, somebody somewhere poured knowledge into me and so it's my job to do that for other people. And that's like a large part of it. Right. And I've been driven by that since way, way back. And, you know, it's one of those things with imposter syndrome, right? Like you don't necessarily feel like, I don't know if I know enough to start telling people I, what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but at some point I, I kind of figured out, like, I kind of do know enough to start telling people what to do. I've been really successful at this and I've got yeah. really good references and I've got people who vouch for me. A lot of people, I, I mean, you know, I got people who call me up and say, Hey man, you busy. You need, I need to get you on this thing. Right. And at some point you just start to believe them, even if you don't believe yourself. Yeah. And because of that, I felt like, well, if I'm doing something right, I should tell other people how to do it right too. Yeah. I got to like riff on your thing about representation and I, I'm looking at my LinkedIn invites and it's just like, nobody looks like me. <laughs> it's just like, awesome. scroll, 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 scroll. Like, wow. Like maybe I'm the minority here. <laughs> no, but, right, but how cool is that? That you're scrolling through like your LinkedIn invites mm -hmm. and nobody in your LinkedIn advice looks like you. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Unprecedented. <laughs> That's amazing. And that's why, right? Like, and it's, and it's because of things like that, that have me out here trying to just share what I know and just model, right? Like just model being in this ecosystem and being successful and, and letting them know, hey, it's possible. Like, I don't know how you got here. I don't care how you got here, right? Like you're here now and it's possible to be successful here and look like you do and be who you are. That's it. So uh, next one is like, why service now? 
why not Salesforce? Why not? I don't know, whatever the mm. hell is out there. I guess I did something before, like I was doing Magic Total Service Desk, and then we did HP Service Desk, and they were just awful tools to work with. And then I hey was man, like, no, 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 I'm not going to let you go bashing Magic on the show, dude. Well, no, I mean, I was working on Magic, and then we switched to HP Service Desk, right? So that was mistake okay. number one. And yeah. then, like, I, I didn't have any say in the whole ServiceNow acquisition. We just saw it; it was awesome, and we bought it. Right. Um, but for once in my life, I didn't have to trick the tool into doing what I want. You know, I think we take a lot for granted today and we kind of like rib service now a little bit about its capabilities. And But really, compared to the tools that came before it, like everything I did was a hack, everything. And I couldn't do anything with it. And ServiceNow was basically like almost anything I could conceive in the world of work, I could do it on ServiceNow. And finally, I had something like a tool that I could manifest my own will on the ecosystem. And Bro, then- where's Morgan at? Like, I feel like the, where the church, where, where, where the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then you get good at that. And like, how, why would you switch? Why, like, there's no point in my ServiceNow career where it's like, this is going awesome. This is going awesome. Let's go. Let's go look at Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, so, man? How, why ServiceNow? Why not IT Service Desk Manager? or operations lead. I started on Magic Service Desk and oddly enough, we probably would have, it's is, is so odd that we didn't meet there before we met on ServiceNow, right? Because we were both in that ecosystem, I think at about the same time. And what I got a taste of through Magic Service Desk was working through the SQL database, which enabled you to pretty much make Magic do whatever you wanted it to do to a certain extent, right? But there was a lot you can do there. And they sunset that. And so we need to find something else and, you know, kind of let the push on, let's get something else. And we went and we saw ServiceNow and oh my God, dude. And I, I tell the story all the time. And I tell it the exact same way because it's exactly what happened. We were in King's Cross or Earl's Cross or something like that in London. And it was an ITSM store uh, show and uh, ServiceNow was doing a demo. And I kid you not, it was like the scene in the Matrix, the first Matrix, the only Matrix. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) The only Matrix movie. And that scene where Morpheus is fighting Neo. Yeah, and Mouse rolls up. Yeah, and everybody's like calling, like, everybody, everybody, come on, Morpheus is fighting Neo, right? Like, and and everybody's like running around the kind of crowd around the monitor and watch the fight happen from like the real world looking into the Matrix. That's how it was when we found ServiceNow and we were watching that freaking demo. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my God, like, what is this? Like we kept, we stayed at the store. We stayed at the show. Our minds were made up, right? Sorry, Rick. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we decided it was ServiceNow. And from then on, I understood like the power of the platform and I understood what you can build on it and everything that you can do. And there was nothing I could say no to. Like I kept getting demand from the business, from my boss, from other folks on my team. They were like, hey, can ServiceNow do this? Can ServiceNow do this? So yeah, we can actually do that. We can do that. Let's do that. I would just build it, right? Like it would, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. work. And so because there was nothing I could say no to, and I just kept seeing the the power of the platform, like I never looked anywhere else. Yeah. There was just, yeah, there was just nothing else that shifted. And then, you know, when I went independent, right? Like, as we said at the top of the show, Duke, just kind of going independent and, and seeing how the market was there and getting deep into it. Like there was just, why, why would I look at Salesforce or, or yeah. top desk or, 
you know, IT, you know, whatever, land desk or whatever it is, right? Like, and and, and, no, and not disparaging any of those things, but once you're with service now, you just don't look anywhere else. All right, because this, this one's a little controversial, Duke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is all, this is the one that might, might provoke Duke rent. You know, TM, right? Like, <laughs> trademark. So what do you think about the future? Okay, let's buckle up. <laughs> uh, okay, I encourage you to go back and look at the existential threats to service now episode. And it's pretty clear to me that none of those are really in major threat range yet. Okay, there is no real substitute for service now, but I have never been more concerned for the future of the ecosystem for a variety of reasons that are swirling closer and closer together. We got a perfect storm situation brewing here. Okay, number one, upgrades are not cheap and easy anymore. (laughs) They might have been when it was only ITSM and maybe a custom app or two, but the thing, ServiceNow went super wide, awesome, huge land grab into all the other process areas, awesome, love it, except for the fact that it has complicated the upgrades. Okay, and a decade and a half of service providers basically like, why do you think I rant all the time about documentation? Like how many customers right now are just wish to God they could justify a greenfield implementation of ServiceNow? Yeah. And for every one of those customers, they don't have the choice. As expensive as your upgrades is, congrats, you must do it once or twice a year. You have to. So you yeah. have an upgrade tax. The next thing is they are customizing the stuff. Don't give me the customization versus configuration stuff. We have an episode on that too, but they are, con- <laughs> <laughs> they are customizing because some stuff just isn't robust enough yet. ITBM has all kinds of things you have to customize for because out of box has no answer for it. And don't tell me just wait. Cause you can't wait. What are you supposed to do? Fucking not do billing every 30 days right. off your time cards. I mean, that was fixed in Paris, but like, that's the thing. Some of the things you can't say no to, otherwise it's like, okay, we won't implement the product. So people have to customize. Right. And because of the license structure, now there's a customization tax. You buy the licenses, then you buy the other stuff that allows you to build it out. Now, that's a problem for upgrades too. Why? Because you got to keep testing this stuff. But what's not ready for testing at scale? ATF. Who's building out ATF for the entirety of the ServiceNow implementation? The flagship clients are, but it takes them seven months to set up. They do nothing but ATF for an entire year. Wow. Okay. So so ATF can't scale. Everybody has to customize. Those customizations put the upgrades at jeopardy. And it's basically tax, 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 one to two times a year. It is going to get prohibitively expensive. It's going to get prohibitively expensive. Okay. I see and, the point. Dude, and uh, pff, we just put another couple thousand people just entered the market. So they are primed to make the same mistakes that professional services has made these entire 15 years, which is just build, don't ask questions, don't think about the right way to do it, and for goddamn sure, don't document it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's what's that's going to be the new people who are building. Tell me something no, to be optimistic about. <laughs> I mean, you, make a, you, you make a good point, right? I'm looking at a tweet from Andy Hill, right? Like, you know, just over a month, over 45,000 people have taken advantage of the free service down course and exam. 45,000. Like, yeah, yeah. From the, the foundations, right? Like 45,000. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people and really good and valid points, Duke. <laughs> I don't it's know. Just, 
Yeah. I mean, do you know what it reminds me of? What's that? It reminds me of 15 years ago, all the app service now replaced. Why did they replace them? Oh, super easy, man. You just don't have to worry about half million dollar upgrades. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> upgrades are easy. Just press the upgrade button. And like, don't get me wrong. I believe in ServiceNow as a platform, right? But I, ju- right. I just think that the, the new hotness is, uh, okay, it's exciting sometimes when the when the new hotness is robust enough to like survive a sales cycle or two, right? Right. But they have to, have to, have to make a testing framework that scales. They have to, have to, have to force the partner ecosystem to take documentation and memorialization seriously. Or find a way that the that the system generates it in some fashion, right? But you still lose all the abstraction. Like they have to do these things, and it's those aren't big sexy features that are going to get you the extra couple dollars on your share price. They aren't. But the long term consequences of not doing this certainly will influence the shot as a stock price. By the way, this is not financial advice. <laughs> no, I mean, really good point, right? The, the con- configuration versus customization argument, right? We've had it on the show already here before, but moving folks towards configuration over customization is not a solution to the upgrade problem because there are some things there that, where you absolutely have to do customization where you can't do configuration. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all your whole rant, man, take into heart. For me, what I think about the future you know, I'm a natural optimist. Like it's just kind of where I sit on the spectrum. So for me, I am fingers crossed, you know, very hopeful about ServiceNow for the future. It's been great. I haven't seen any products that in my opinion, come close to what you can do on the ServiceNow platform. I do worry about the expense, right? Yeah. That's the, that is the main thing that I worry about. Totally that it, that it is sliding itself out of the pocketbooks of the regular IT organization. And that makes it vulnerable to something else that can slide in under it and get that groundswell that ServiceNow once did, right? Mm -hmm. And build on, right? Like you can't just occupy the luxury end of the market. You really do need to have some presence at all parts of it in order to stay relevant. And so what I really do worry about is that it will become too expensive. It will only become a Fortune 500 platform versus a platform that any and everybody can kind of roll out and utilize. And in doing so, that could break its market dominance. All right, I think that's all we have time for today. We went a little bit long, sorry about that, but hopefully there was something um, at least entertaining in there for you. Yeah, Duke, I think this one was uh, will definitely be entertaining for a few folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye-bye.